Hey guys, welcome to Birdwatch, New Orleans Pelicans podcast powered by NOLA.com. Uh, I'm your host, Christian Clark, Pelicans beat writer for NOLA.com. Here is super producer, Jeff Nowak. Hey y'all. And deputy sports editor of the New Orleans Advocate, Raina Kempt. Hello. All right, guys. I was going to save this, but I, I want to ask you guys right off the top. This was obviously the biggest um, storyline to come out of that fantastic Lakers-Pelicans game. Zion and LeBron James hugged after the game. The cold war is over, you guys. Uh, what did you just think about that moment? I really expected it. LeBron has never really been one of those that didn't embrace the young guys, uh, the up-and-coming guys. He's always talked to them. Uh, you know, he puts his hand over his mouth and, and gives them a couple words of encouragement and wisdom and, and let them know that, hey, if you need anything, I, I have your back. He's been doing that for years now, so I didn't think it would be any different, especially with Zion, who has drawn comparisons to him when it comes to um, – the hype around him and being that top draft pick and what he would bring to the league. So I, I wasn't surprised at all. Yeah, the, the media coverage about, oh, LeBron and Zion aren't friends, uh, I thought was pretty hilarious, to be honest. Like, it's a 35 and a 19-year-old. And, you know, there was, like, a lot of follow-up questions to Zion about, like, well, why haven't you crossed paths with LeBron James? And he's like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm, I'm two years out of high school. I, I guess I just haven't yet. So I'm glad... We don't have to do that again, but I, I thought it was pretty hilarious. I've been busy. I've been working. Yeah. Now, it was funny to me because after the game, LeBron's reaction to it is almost like there's been a lot of criticism of him mentoring these young players, which maybe that's the case in the L.A. market. I don't know. That seems odd to me that anyone would be critical of that. What I thought was funny was like before they – Zion also went over to JaVale McGee and handed him his jersey and didn't take JaVale's back, which <laughs> – uh, it seemed like a very, like, here, Javale, take this, hang it on your wall. This might be worth something someday. But it, it yeah, was... Yeah, he was good. He was good on that one. Yeah. yeah. Let's be honest. Who wants a JaVale McGee jersey? Right. I don't think I've ever seen anybody get a McGee jersey ever. Except for maybe his mom. It was just a weird moment. And I rem- I tweeted, like, oh, he's trading jerseys with JaVale McGee. And someone responded, was like, uh, please show me where this was a trade. This was very much... This was a one-way transaction. <laughs> but um, after the games, uh, LeBron was like, yeah, and anyone who wants to criticize me and say, like, oh, you're being all buddy-buddy with these people supposed to be battling against, he said, quote, tell them to kiss my ass and do it with a smile, too. And I was just like, cool. Like, because if you're critical of that, then I think that's more of an issue about you than an issue about LeBron. Like, what do you want these guys to do? They're, this isn't the 80s where people are literally getting in brawls. This is modern NBA basketball these guys are connected one way or another at all times so it's not like this is anything new you know LeBron has been doing this for years and even this year he, he did it with John Morant I mean last year he did it with Trey Young uh, he's always been the type to talk to these young players and lend his help his his advice his wisdom and LeBron has always been the kind to pay it forward whether that was on the court or off the court you see off the court with what he does uh, with his school and, and paying for tuition for these kids to go to college, uh, something that he said he wished that he did or he had the opportunity to do as far as having uh, someone who cared to to put that type of money and, and investment into the kids. Like, he does that off the court. And then, of course, on the court, he does the same thing as far as with the young players and giving them advice on the business side of things and also um, just how the NBA works. And I'm just shocked that people – felt some kind of way that LeBron was being LeBron. It's not like this was the first instance that he ever talked to a player, a rookie, or whoever after the game and gave him some words of encouragement, like, hey, listen, you're a beast, keep it up, or whatever. 
and kept going. He does this night in and night out. Does that change the the assassin, the savage that he is in the game? No. He will sit there and smile on your face and tell you, hey, I think you're going to be the next best thing and then hit you up for 30 points and 15 assists with a smile on his face. So I, I don't understand how this is such big news. Like, this is not something he's been doing for years. I'm glad we could just put this to rest because that was, that was like, one of the most annoying media cycles in a long time of, like, LeBron's eye on Cold War or whatever like that. I'm, I'm glad it's over. You know, just the basketball in itself in that game I thought was fantastic. I thought it was one of the more entertaining games I've watched this year. And maybe half the people shut me off right now, but I just want to wax poetic about LeBron James, the basketball player, for a second because – this is year 17 for him. He didn't have Anthony Davis. He didn't have Alex Caruso. And I say that last part only half-jokingly because Caruso kind of killed the Pelicans in the last game. He was just absolutely dominant. Zion was firing on all cylinders. You know, I think you make a case that he's one of the four or five best 19-year-old basketball players we've ever seen. He was absolutely on his A game. And there was nothing they could do. LeBron, when they didn't double him, he was taking his guy down into the post and he was scoring. When they did double him, he was finding shooters on the perimeter uh, I thought it was a near-perfect game. And I thought one of the cool sequences of the season was when Zion dunked it and LeBron turned around and hit, like, that 37-footer. That When I saw that, I was like, oh, wow. Uh, the Lakers probably aren't losing today. Yeah. I think LeBron is just being LeBron again. You know, there was always that speculation from last year because the Lakers didn't make the playoffs that, you know, was LeBron washed or whatnot. And I've always thought that was – a crazy, crazy question to ask for someone who, like you said, is in year 17, who has been playing at a consistently high level, going to the finals year after year after year. And in one year, they don't make the playoffs. And now there's all kind of questions on whether he's still the king or whether he's still one of the most elite players in the game. He's showing you that, that nothing has changed. And coming into to the Pelicans game and what they're doing, trying to double-team, trying to throw different things at him. That's nothing that we haven't seen from, quite frankly, even better teams and better defenses that LeBron has faced over the years and has dismantled them one by one. So I really was no difference here, you know, against a young Pelicans team who never really faced anything like LeBron before, at least not as a team. Like you said, especially with, with Anthony Davis out, because when uh, Anthony Davis and the Lakers came to New Orleans, it was obviously, you know, obvious that they were trying to feed it through AD and let him have that, that moment back at the Smoothie King Center. And LeBron kind of played second fiddle and let AD have his night. But with AD gone, it was time for LeBron to step up and show exactly why he's LeBron and why the Lakers are number one. The funny thing is, like, okay, you're looking at LeBron, and you're like, okay, we have to do something. We can't just put. Drew Holiday on him one-on-one. We can't just let him just beat on Josh Hart all night. But he wants you to double him. It's like there's an orchestra out there, and he's just directing them. And then you're doing what he wants you to do, and he knows exactly how to react to it. Christian, you tweeted out a clip of the Kyle Kuzma shot late in the game where the Pelicans sent a double team. They sent Ingram from the top of the key to LeBron. And the way the Lakers reacted to it, they were ready for that double team. The second Ingram came down to double, KCP drove into the lane. Danny Ingram, or sorry, Danny Green spaced to LeBron's side, and it forced Hart and Ball to shift over. And he just had a clear lane to Kuzma in the corner, and he sent a perfect pass out there. They were waiting for that double to have that shot at that moment. Like that was something they had planned for, 
and watching a team that was basically cobbled together from loose parts over the offseason be that orchestrated is incredible. And it's like, that's LeBron. That's what you get. They're playing like they've been together for years. To see them do that is remarkable. There were two things about last night that surprised me. Well, there was one thing that surprised me and one thing that didn't. One, Red Panda dropped a boulder in the halftime show. <laughs> I have seen her perform at least a dozen times. I've uh, never seen her drop a bowl until that time, which actually had me walking away more impressed now that I know it's possible for her to drop one of those. I feel like that's important. Red Panda no, is... perfect, Jeff. <laughs> um, and then the other thing that didn't surprise me so much was LeBron's bizarre turnover late in the game when he literally just walked in. Yeah, I guess that was the only mistake the he made. And he does that occasionally. It's weird. It's like he's been playing basketball for so long and at such a high like mental level that the basic basketball plays just kind of disappear. Like there was that play against, uh, I can't remember who it was, where he just literally like took like three steps. Maybe it was the Jazz. He just got the ball half court and just like literally took three steps. And uh, Joe Ingles was like, what the heck's happening here? Yeah, they still didn't call anything. They didn't. <laughs> but it's like, that's the type of play that's like, he's so far above that yeah. that he doesn't even register. It's like, oh yeah. He does short circuit sometimes. And <laughs> yeah. he often gets away with it too, which I, might, I think yeah, might be part do. of it. But yeah, the Pelicans plan in the fourth quarter was, okay, when LeBron catches the ball in like the mid post, once he takes that first dribble, we're going to send the double team. Like once he makes his initial move, well, LeBron knows that. He's too smart for that. He he was almost like, I'm going to fake that first initial move. Like, I'm not going to take a hard dribble. I'm going to take, like, a soft dribble almost away from the defense. So you all are coming to me and double teaming me. But I'm, like, going away from where the pressure is. And then I'm just going to throw, like, a frozen rope dart to a three-point shooter. And they would often knock it down. Um, LeBron is just, I mean, he's just too smart. I mean, you're, you're just not going to beat LeBron when, he, when he's playing like that most days. I mean, I, my opinion, second best player of all time. When he's on his A game like that, it's just it's just really tough. I didn't think there was, I mean, the Pelicans could have knocked down some more threes, made it more interesting. But I mean, I I think you just got beat by a really great player. You know, you have to also take into consideration that LeBron is literally the point guard of this team, starting point guard at what six foot eight, six foot nine. It's supposed to be a power forward. He is the point guard. So on one hand, yes, it's impressive. But on the other hand, that's what he does. Like, there's almost no point of having a true point guard playing on the court with LeBron because he's going to have the ball in his hand. And and it's almost better to have the ball in his hand as him being a point guard for those situations, like you were saying, with the double team. You would rather have more shooters out there on the court with him when a double team is coming his way than to have a true point guard on the court. And have LeBron have the ball in his hand majority of the time. Now you have an extra body on the court when he's getting a double team. That doesn't help in a double team situation when it comes to kicking it out. LeBron knows what he's doing when it comes to, you know, when they said he was going to be the point guard at the beginning of the season. They were like, come on, LeBron, point guard. There's a reason for that, and this is why. These double teams is exactly why he's playing point. He's going to have the ball in his hand most of the time anyway. And he's the perfect person to know who to dish it to where. And, uh, and how to space the floor out and get things done. I've never seen a, a better player in NBA history, and I don't think I ever will, at catching the ball on the right side of the floor, like elbow extended or whatever, and delivering like just a bullet pass to the guy in the opposite corner. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just crazy, like the, the accuracy and the speed that he gets in those things. And he hasn't always been that player either. That's the part of it. Like LeBron, I think, more than any NBA superstar in history, has improved every facet of his game to like – if you were giving him a rating on 2K, 
everything he does is like 95 or higher other than maybe free throw shooting that's the only area of his game that like isn't maxed out yeah he talked about that shot that he referenced earlier when zion had that dunk and he just basically walked into a 30 footer and he was just like yeah i practiced that before the game we had a two for one people don't usually guard you that far out because they think you're shooting from too far away but it's like i sit there pregame and i make those shots <laughs> he probably shoots that 60 percent when no one's guarding him and that's what he did and he's just he's at that point he's been in the nba for so long it's hard to even remember an nba before he was in it and a team like the pelicans that individual matchup is brutal. I almost think they have a better chance to beat them with Anthony Davis out there because... Like, a little less space? Well, there's less space. There's more more that they understand. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, LeBron is just... When he's the show, he's operating at a level that the Pelicans just... Their structure, the players they have on the floor are just going to have a hard time keeping up with. It's just incredible that... LeBron came in with this much hype. He delivered on it. He delivered on it. He's still delivering on it in year 17. Like, I, I look at Zion, and I think that's, you know, the only player comparable, really, to, like, the level of hype that LeBron got as a teenager. And for LeBron to, to still be delivering on it, like, more than a decade half in, into it is pretty incredible. I want to talk about Zion's night a little bit, too. This was a career high from him. He had 35 points. And honestly, I mean, I thought he was really good, but I didn't even feel like he was exceptional. Zion is doing all this, and I still feel like, oh my god, there's so many levels he still has to go. Like, the guy can only drive left, really. He doesn't really have, like, post moves. His his post move is like, I'm going to bull rush you from the left, and then I'm going to face up, jab left, and take one dribble right, and then try to dunk. He doesn't have that much in his bag, and he's still putting up 35, making three quarters of his shots against one of the NBA's best teams. Here's Here's a good example I'll give you. I like to listen to the broadcast as as I watch these games, even when I'm there. Zion made one shot that was not within two feet of the rim, and it was in the fourth quarter, and it was like a weird kind of like half fade away from six feet from the from the rim. It was in the lane, and the announcer said, "Oh, he'll give him that." <laughs> like he was taking a thirty footer. <laughs> like if that's if that doesn't give you perspective on how limited his game is right now, I think I mean, <laughs> and he made it. It was a nice shot. It rattled around the rim. It was soft. It's but it's like. It, that's the type of shot. If he could even make that consistently, it would open up more avenues for him. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've noted that too, Christian, uh, when you were talking about uh, breaking down. You basically broke down his game in about three different steps. But right now, nobody's stopping it. Uh, and like I said, he's just a rookie and barely has played this year. So he has a lot, a lot to learn. And uh, hopefully, you know, he actually, you know, goes ahead and, and try to learn and um, really hone those skills. The the person that comes to mind of someone who didn't really hone their skills, who could have become better, is like Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard was one of those very, very dominant power forwards in the prime of his career when he was with the Magic and brought them all the way to the finals. And there was so much potential as him being a young player on who he could be. But I think he sort of somewhat got content with who he was and, and where he had reached. And he never really learned how to do anything other than dunk the ball and block some shots. And I, I don't want that to be Zion because, hey, you know, I'm a rookie. I had 35 points already. I mean, <laughs> case closed. There's really nothing else to do yeah. here. No, there's so much, so much more that you can do. You're scoring 35 points against the number one team in the league with three moves. Yeah. Imagine if you learn six. 
Yeah. Maybe seven. I, I mean, I think the thing you love about Zion is that he's definitely not content. Like, right. every time they lose, he's pissed off, which is exactly what you want in your star player. Um, I want to talk about the free throw thing specifically, too, because Zion got to the free throw line 13 times in this game. Uh, this was a sixth time in the past nine games he's attempted double-digit free throws. On the season, he's averaging eight and a half free throw attempts per game. One of seven players in the entire NBA to, to hit that benchmark, along with Trey, Harden, Giannis, Embiid, Doncic, and Jimmy Butler. I think that when Zion gets going um, and we see you know prime Zion for an extended stretch, he's going to be a double-digit free-throw attempt tonight guy. Part of that, too, is you know, he's a bang-bang type of player, which we don't see a lot anymore in this NBA. Uh, you look at most of the, the forwards and the centers, a lot of them are playing ball out on the three-point line. They're picking rolls, and they're, they're playing further from the basket. There's not a lot of guys in this, today's NBA that is getting the ball on the block and just manhandling guys and banging, banging down and just forcing their way to the rim anymore. That's really not how the NBA works anymore, but that's what Zion's doing uh, and doing it very forcefully. And it, it's really one of those things where you really don't have a choice but to either foul him or to try to block his shot, which is, can we say, very tough to do. And, you know, you're looking at him six foot six, six foot seven. Most of the guys that's guarding him is six foot ten. But with that power that he puts in there and that first, that quick first step and that quick bounce, it's, it's hard to time, you know, him going up with not only that, but how hard he's putting his shoulder into your chest. So with that kind of type of bang, bang that he's doing there, it's, it's easy for him to get to the free throw line when you're not expecting somebody to just keep putting their shoulder in your chest, possession after possession like that. He's still aggressively going at you again and again. And I will say too, you know, we talked about how the games he struggled in most, the first there was a matchup with Milwaukee. You got Giannis, you got both Lopez brothers. The first matchup with the Lakers, you know, anytime you have to bang against JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, LeBron James for an entire game, you're going to have a hard time when you're trying to just score 90% of your points in the paint. He had one of the most efficient NBA games I think you'll probably ever see on Sunday, which, you know, you want to talk about development. He may not be expanding his range, but he's learning how to score in that environment, and that's important. He went 12 for 16 from the field, 75% shooting. Is making three-quarters of your shots good? <laughs> you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not an expert, but I, I, would, I would say so, yeah. 84% from the free throw line, 11 for 13, seven rebounds, only two fouls. I mean, that's, I don't know, you can't really ask for a ton more than that at this point. If he does that against 28 other NBA teams, they'd probably win that game. Maybe not the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, the, the one crucial difference, obviously, was that Anthony Davis didn't play Sunday. He was in that, that previous game. Anthony Davis, by the way, was he really wanted to win this game. Like, he was standing on his feet the entire time in, in the hoodie under the jacket look. I don't know. Raina, you're, I guess, the most up on fashion. What's, what's, the, what's the verdict on the hoodie under the jacket look? I don't mind the hoodie under the jacket look if you do it right. Uh when Zion does it, he wears black on black or like blue on blue. But uh, AD had the, I think it was a white or a cream jacket with like a red print on it. And then yeah, it looked the like a candy cane to me. That's what it, I don't, I don't know exactly what it was under there. I couldn't there. read what it said either. I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't I, know. I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't zoomed in on him. And, uh, but with the blazer, I like it. AD actually has very good fashion sense. He, he really does. You know, after, you know, you get past the eyebrows. You know, eyebrow. the, the, the eyebrow. You're right. <laughs> Singular. After you get past that, you know, his fashion sense is, is really good. So I, I, I liked it. 
All three Lakers centers, I noticed this, all three Lakers centers left the Smoothie King Center in sweatshirts. AD had ditched the jacket because mm-hmm. it's probably, it was warm on Sunday. AD had that white hoodie with uh, red lettering. <laughs> JaVale had this like random black sweatshirt on. And Dwight Howard, tie-dye sweatshirt, which I thought was... Sweatshirt uh, party. Yeah, that's interesting. Where did they play the night before? Memphis. Memphis. Hmm, that might play a part in it. I know it's a little warm here, but if it's a little colder up in Tennessee, yeah. then they probably just packed a couple hoodies, called it a day for a back-to-back. So, no AD. That basically meant Kyle Kuzma was asked to guard Zion for most of the game. Um, and if I was Kyle Kuzma, I would have asked the trainer to check me for internal <laughs> bleeding after this game. Um, the play where Zion was called for a charge, and he ran into Kuzma's chest, and Kuzma like pinballed off Derek Favors, that was violent. That was some primal stuff. Like that was like a football hit. I'm not even convinced it was a foul. It was. It was. We, we compared Zion to Shaq last week, and this was a very Shaq-like play where he, it's only a foul because he's like a wrecking ball running into you. It's if this was uh, Josh Hart, Kyle Kuzma doesn't fall down. It's just contact. It's just. It was just funny. He's a big guy. Like you can't just call a foul because someone can't take the contact. Yeah, you got to give credit to Kuzma too because I, I think 90% of players his size would have probably tried to get out the way. I would have tried to get out of the way. Yeah, that was like a car accident. He was sideways when it hit him. That's why I didn't think it was a foul. He wasn't set because he was like, oh, no. (laughs) That was like an 18-wheeler hitting a smart car, except Kyle Kuzma is taller than Zion. He's taller than him. Hyatt has nothing to do with this situation. I mean, I I don't know about you all out there, but we've all, you know, been able to see Zion up close and personal. His arm is the size of my entire body. And I'm not that small. I'm five foot ten, you know. Like so, when I saw his arms, I'm just like, "Jeez, yeah." You, you look at the heights and say six for six. He's the undersized. And he's really not. Right. He is a big human being. He is how old? Nineteen. He's technically not done growing. Yeah. It's Most like, men don't stop growing to twenty one at the latest twenty five. It's like playing a game of chicken with a cement mixer. I'm not even playing that game. You know, I'm gonna <laughs> bow out gracefully. One of the most common questions I get from people, and I'm just going to be completely honest, they ask me straight up, is Zion fat? And I always tell them, no, he's not fat. Like, do you see him with the shirt off? He's just a large man. He's not <laughs> fat. He's really not. He's just like, he's just built like a freaking Mack truck. Yeah, the fitness issue and the weight issue are two very different things. He's not a fat human being. If that's fat, then everyone's fat. He has... To work harder than most people to be in shape because he carries a lot of weight. And that's the that's what he's had to work back from. He reminds me of a a more cut big baby Glenn Davis. Cause that was that was concerned a lot about Big Baby coming out of LSU and when he got into the pros was his size. And he proved a lot of people wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. He played a lot of minutes and efficiently and won a championship and got his contract with the Magic and that's just one of the things where he looks like he's much bigger than he is, but it, it works for him. Like, it's, it's some things you can't diet off. You can't run off. Like, that's part of your anatomy, but you make it work for you. And I think that's Zion. It doesn't matter how many trainers you get in there and how many diets he goes on. He's going to be a large human being. This, yeah. is, this is kind of a tangent, but I, I think it's kind of funny. We talked about Dwight Howard with the Magic. He made the finals. The year he made the finals, they beat the Celtics in seven games. Kevin Garnett didn't play. Glenn Davis was on that team. Glenn Davis hit a game-winning shot in that series. And Kevin Garnett's nickname was uh, 
the big ticket. Mm-hmm. After that game, Glenn Davis declared that his nickname was Ticket Stub. I'll take that. It's good stuff. I was like, that's perfect. <laughs> Is that the the game where after he hit that game winner and he, he went ham and he pushed the kid out of the way? He didn't really push him no, out I think of the that way, was Nate but Robinson. he just. I think you're thinking of Nate. No, no, it was, it was Glenn because I remember there was a situation. There was Nate Robinson, the one that tried to jump him and then fumbled over his backside. He got a little excited. He thought he was in the dunk contest again. But I remember that game because there was talk on the radio after because he was so excited. There was a kid on the in the front row down there, and he kind of pushed him out the way, and they were talking about, was that a bad thing? I'm like, the kid is on the court in a, a playoff game. If anything, he probably shouldn't wash that shirt ever again. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, Glenn Davis was a, was an interesting player. But I, that is an interesting comparison because they have very, they do have very similar body types, in, but he's Zion's a little more cut, and Zion can jump. Glenn Davis can never jump. That was, that was he wasn't really that, that athletic, no. Yeah. So basically, what we're saying is uh, Zion's Glenn Davis only if he was like touched by the hand of God. Right. Basically. Okay. All right. Yeah. That, that is a very, very there good. Go. I'm curious <laughs> what, what Glenn Davis is playing like. Wasn't I? I'm gonna look it up. Six nine two eighty nine. Yeah. Okay. Well, listed in the two eighties. You don't you yeah. don't see that very often. You see that with our man Zion. Um, so the Lakers and the Pelicans are done playing the season unless the Pelicans make the playoffs. Um, the person who might want the Grizzlies to hang on to that spot the most is Kyle Kuzma after what happened in this game. No, definitely. I don't think he wants to see Zion again for quite some time. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back on Birdwatch. All right, Birdwatch fans, I want to take a couple minutes to talk about something near and dear to my heart. Food. Everyone wants it. Everyone needs it. Sometimes you just don't have it. And we have a solution. Instacart. Basically Uber for cupboards. All you got to do is sign in. Pick what you want from local stores. You can go Costco. You can go Rouse's. You can even go Petco if your dog's hungry. And someone will pick those up, put them in a shopping cart, and bring them to your house in as little as one hour. Sounds kind of nice, right? You can find all the items you usually buy. Instacart will highlight deals to help you save money. And they always pick the freshest produce so you don't get those bananas that are older than you are. And hey, if you're like me, you can still just hang out at Costco to get those samples. But you don't have to worry about the lines at the end. So if you want to check out Instacart, follow the link in our show notes to let them know we sent you and help support our show. And your first order, over $35, free shipping. So get that 2XL box of cheese that you've been craving for the last four hours. Or I want to give it to me. Anyway, again, follow that link in our show notes to uh, help support our show and test out Instacart for your food. Thanks. Back here on Birdwatch, an Orleans Pelicans podcast powered by NOLA.com, here with Jeff Nowak and Raina Kempt. Uh, guys, Pelicans have 22 regular season games remaining. They are three and a half games behind the Memphis Grizzlies. They're kind of jockeying for that, that final playoff spot in the West with about four other teams. It is absolutely insane that they have a chance to make the playoffs in the same season that they lost 13 games in a row. I almost have a hard time describing to you how awful things seemed when they were in the midst of that losing streak. It was it was extremely extremely ugly, and Pelicans have gone twenty and twelve since they dropped thirteen in a row. And I think that one of the the biggest factors in that turnaround has been Lonzo Ball's improved play. I was pretty hard on him at the beginning part of the season. The Lonzo stands were, were coming at me, and I can tell you that it's like a it's like a wasp's hive. 
Uh, you don't want to criticize Lonzo Ball on the internet. But I think he's been really good over, over these past 32 games. I had a, a blast watching him in that Lakers game. There, he had a couple of those, like, he looked like the roadrunner place where he just went, like, the full length of the floor in, like, three, four seconds and laid it up. What have you guys just seen from Lonzo the, these past two and a half months? Uh, I personally have seen more confidence, and that goes a long way. Uh, you can have the ability, but knowing that you can do these things and really change the outcome of games with you know with your teammates and you can really make or break the game knowing that and and stepping up to the challenge is different and I think Lonzo has done that I think at first uh, this was a different situation from for him coming to the Pelicans on a team that you know nobody really knows anyone and everybody's quiet and there's really you know aside from Drew Holiday there's really no one leader and there was, there was a lot of gelling that needs to happen and a lot of those players boosting each other up and saying, hey, we got your back, we're leaning on you, and vice versa, and you getting comfortable with each other. Once that started happening, Lonzo uh, took more uh, threes and better shots, not not just taking threes, but taking better threes and being more aggressive to the goal. I believe um, it was earlier this year we were talking about how he would never go to the goal, and I think he's been more aggressive. And that, that makes a world of a difference from your point guard. Him having Zion in the mix, too, someone that he feels comfortable uh, with giving that ball to on the block and also pick and roll with, that makes a difference, too, for him. I think he, he still has a lot of potential of things that he can do in the future, but I think that he's he's playing at a good level. I'm, I think he's playing at the level that the Lakers were hoping he would for them. And um, I'm just excited to see what he does in this stretch with every game being so so paramount, so big. Uh, I think he's going to rise to the occasion. Yeah, I mean, he still has his issues, right? He, he still can't really shoot free throws. Prone to take those kind of awkward shots at times because he doesn't always set up his shot well. But his his shot selection has been a lot better, and that's something that I was very critical of early in the season. I was taking a ton of two-pointers where he was shooting an incredibly low percentage. I have some basic numbers here. You know, he's, in the last month, he's taken most of his shots at the rim or from three. In the month of February, he took 10 shots total that were not at the rim or three-pointers. But on 90 field goal attempts. I'll tell you this. When the Pelicans made the trade uh, for Ball, Ingram, and Josh Hart, uh, I feel confident saying this. I think the player Alvin Gentry was most excited to work with was Lonzo Ball. Um, Alvin was telling people that, you know, Lonzo is going to have the best season of his career playing in this system. And I was generally a believer in that. I thought it was a perfect fit between, you know, the way the Pelicans get up and down and, and the way we saw Ball kind of play at UCLA. And it was puzzling and, and really troubling to me to see the way he started the season. Well, we've seen kind of the vision uh, these past two and a half months or so. Like, this is exactly the way that Alvin Gentry wants to play. I mean, he he loves Lonzo Ball, you know, pushing it up, even off of makes and, and, you know, creating those creases in the defense. This is exactly the way that, that Alvin Gentry has wanted to play all year. And I, I remember, like, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say I was laughing at him or anything, but, like, I remember earlier in the year when they were losing all those games, and I was like, oh, we got to keep pushing the pace, pushing the pace. And I was like, I- I'm not sure if that's the answer. Like, just playing with more pace, you guys aren't playing any defense. The defense has gotten a lot better. But I guess all that is to say, like, I see the vision now. And I see what Alvin was trying to do and was preaching. And it's been pretty effective. Yeah, definitely. Having these young guys 
then you really don't have an option, you know. Slowing the ball down when you have a bunch of 20-year-olds, I, I don't see how in any way that would work in this league where a lot of the top teams are all veterans and, and know the game. Um, you have to run. You have to run and gun. You have Lonzo. You have Zion. You even have Jackson Hayes. You got all of these young guys, Brandon Ingram, who can run. That's 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 where you need to be. Uh, the Pelicans notoriously have not been a great half-court team. Uh, they've done a lot of their best work when done correctly, uh, pushing the pace and in fast-paced, fast-break situations. Uh, and it's even better now when uh, I remember you talking about how Alonzo and Zion almost seem like, you know, quarterback, wide receiver, or tight end or whatever. And that works for them. You know, they're young. They're young. Make them run. Yeah, maybe quarterback and offensive tackle with like four four speed or something. <laughs> hey, whatever works, whatever gets the ball down the court and pushes it down the opponent's throat. That's what you do. Uh, I think to a certain degree they couldn't do that too much with uh, her young Jackson Hayes, who's still learning a lot. And then also Derek Favors is, you know, as much as they need him, he's a veteran on the team, can't really run and gun the way the other young guys can. So when you add, uh, like I said, a younger Zion in the mix who, who's getting down the court, very fast and beating nine times out of ten a power forward or as a center that's checking him he's going to beat him down the court pretty much every time and he's not going to slow down he's not going to get tired and I, I think that's one of the many things that they do well though is pushing the pace now that they've kind of learned each other and and, and know each other's strengths and weaknesses the turnovers concern me I don't have the numbers in front of me to say whether they have a high percentage of turnovers game to game but one of the fundamental issues that you'll see with the Gentry philosophy of push, push, push is you get into the fourth quarter of these games and every possession becomes critical. That seems to be the time when, you know, you're tired, you've been running the entire game, your handle gets a little looser. You know, there was at least three or four possessions down the stretch that the Pelicans really didn't get a good shot up because they fumbled a ball. Uh, the good example is that, so we talked about that turnover by LeBron before that, there was a play where Lonzo Ball had possession out on the perimeter, kind of fumbled the ball away, ended up in the jump ball situation with JaVale McGee. The Pelicans actually got that ball back, which was weird because JaVale's a foot taller than Lonzo. But that, that's the type of situation, that point where they needed to score. And that's where you can't have that type of turnover. It wasn't like trying to set up a pass. It wasn't within the offense. It was just, just a mistake it was a bad turnover and those are the type of things that I think are the reason you see them struggle against the, the really class teams of the west they're 0 for 4 against the thunder each of those games down the stretch they really got kind of taken apart they're 0 for 4 against the lakers they led two of those games going into the fourth quarter and they got taken apart in the fourth quarter both those games they're 0 and 3 against the mavericks a team they play on wednesday so i mean those are the things that concern me about Lonzo and about the Pelicans in general, but he has been a much better basketball player. And when you're talking about you have a whole other year of him coming up on that fourth-year option, this is the NBA, I, I think that there's a lot to be encouraged by from when you watch him play. Yeah, it is a high-wire act to a certain degree. There there are just going to be a lot of turnovers. <clears throat> you know, the degree of difficulty on some of those passes Lonzo throws is, is just so high. Um, I mean, he... He throws, like, so many of them when he's behind the half-court line, and he is a really good, like, long-range passer. I think him and Jokic are, are two of the better, like, I'm going to throw this bomb 40, 50, 60 feet and, and, and try some pretty crazy stuff. But I think generally you have to live with it. I think, like, their late-game issues 
a lot of it is that they're just a young team. I would I would be surprised if they were this bad in, in late game situations next year. But no, I I mean I think that is definitely a little bit of a concern is that he does you know turn the ball over a lot, and I think some of that has to do with the way they've struggled late in games. So um, on one hand, during the course of a game, when you're pushing the pace like that, that kind of comes with it when you you're playing at that fast pace and the high intensity. It's going to come with turnovers. It's a risk-reward type situation. The more possessions you have, the more you, you're, you're passing the ball, the higher risk for turnovers. That just kind of comes with it. So, but I would never, you know, say don't. I think that's something that they need to keep doing, though, is pushing the pace. And they will learn to, to take better care of the ball as time goes. But on the other hand, getting down to the late-game situations, and those clutch situations that, you know, we spoke a lot about earlier in the season, that's that's what separates the, the playoff teams and the, the higher-seeded team to the bottom half of the standings is being able to um, execute and protect the ball and, and really run plays efficiently and just, just play with basketball knowledge and basketball sense. Against the Lakers that night, I think they were down six with a little less than a minute left. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, if they can get a bucket here – especially a three, then, you know, they can fire. They're still in it. And I don't I, – I don't, they came out of a timeout. I don't know what they were trying to run, but it went horribly. The ball went out of bounds. I don't know what they were trying to do, but that was one of those things where it really makes you just shake your head and do a face palm and, and wonder how would this, this team do in a playoff situation when these are the type of mistakes that they made. It wasn't nothing that the Lakers did. It was just a, it was just a fluke. And – it's just one of those things that definitely is going to come with more experience and uh, veterans stepping up and, and really teaching them the game, the younger guys the game. Yes, Lonzo is the point guard, and he will uh, have to run the show, but he is still young, and he still needs to have mentors and people to help him better understand the game and his role and, and clock management and all of those intricacies of the game. So I don't think we need to spend a lot of time in it because we've already covered a lot of it, but... I just want to give you guys a list of guys who Lonzo Ball is shooting the three ball better than this season. Over the past 32 games, uh, he's at 38% on 6.6 three-point attempts. On the season, here are some guys who he's shooting it better than on a similar volume. Jamal Murray, a guy with a pretty pure stroke in Denver. Devin Booker, uh, I think one of the sexier jump shots in the league. Laurie Markkinen. I, I just can't believe that, that Lonzo has gotten to this point as a, as a three-point shooter in, in one season. Uh, the work that he's put in with Fred Vinson, they both deserve a lot of credit. And I can't believe it's going in that much, i got to be honest. Like, if I just sat there and watched him shoot in warm-ups, I'm like, there's there's no way that guy is, like, a 36 37% three-point shooter on a decent amount of volume. He actually shoots a higher percentage the further he gets away from the basket, which is kind of weird. Like, his, his three-pointers, like, right at the line or right on the break are 4% lower than when he gets to, like, plus 24 feet. He's one of the only guys in the NBA where if he gets fouled in a three-point shot, you're like, hmm, right. that's not great. You're, you're praying it goes in not because you want the four-point play, just because you don't want to have to watch that free throw stroke three times in a row. Very true. I, I'm Honestly, as, as much as we know and, you know, us, we're, we're watching the games night in and night out, and we're, we're crunching the numbers and looking at statistics, and... I know that he's nearly a 40% three-point shooter. But every time he makes one, I'm impressed. I'm like, huh, okay, every single time. And it's going to take a while for me to 
to get used to and to accept Lonzo being a a good three-point shooter. That's not at all negative at all. It just goes to show, you know, how much he has improved in that area. And, you know, if he could do that much improvement in that area in one year and just to see how much his game is going to flourish in the next three years or five years, the sky's the limit for him if he keeps working at it and, and putting as much attention to detail as he did into his shooting this offseason and to other facets of his game. Who really knows? Yeah, it's been really fun to watch. Uh, Lamelo Ball was was at the game too. I saw him chilling in the hallway. Uh, probably top five pick in this upcoming draft. I, I didn't get a chance to ask him how Australia is. You excited to see that that uh, ball to ball backcourt in, in the Smoothie King Center? Uh, I don't think the Pelicans <laughs> are going to be picking in the top five. You can straight up. Yeah, I know the I know the odds flattened and everything. <laughs> But uh, no, I, I don't think we'll see a, a ball-to-ball backcourt. I think we've seen all the balls at one point or another this season. There was a, LeVar was there. We've seen Leangelo. We've seen Tina. Uh, and now we've seen LaMelo. It's, uh, it's a family affair. That's what is one might say? Ball in the family. <laughs> yeah, that's enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On that note, uh, thanks for coming down, Marina. Uh Jeff, I got to go to shoot around, but we'll talk to you guys next week. I'll see you later.